Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. All right, we're going to jump into the message. Um, I'm going to pray again because of the way I got this message. The whole message came out of just one insignificant sentence um, in the Bible. Well, I guess somebody could say every sentence is significant. But to me, it was something I'd read over real quick, you know. And I need to get it out like it's in me. Amen. So y'all just pray with me. And so Jesus, the way you gave it to me and the way I wrote it on paper, I want that to come out the same way tonight. And that can only happen if, if you give me the grace to do that. So I ask for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So the message is called, What Are You Made Of? And to be honest with you, I'm a horrible title guy. Uh, so eh, it kind of fits the message, kind of not. What are you made of? Um, so you ever hear somebody say something and it kind of catch you off guard and you kind of like, hmm, like what made them say that? Or uh, why'd they say it like that? Or something, something like that, you know? Um, or maybe like, why in the world did they do that? Or what are they doing? And, um, and I've had some moments like that. But then once I get the question answered as to why they said what they said or what they said, what, what they said, et cetera, it would make more sense to me. And, uh, and, and so once I understood the context, context was so important in that situation. Like I know my parents, they used to tell me stuff like, because I said so. Or, you know, do this because I said or because I'm the ball, or, and all that stuff. I hated that because that's fine. I'm going to do it, but I just want to know why. It just helps me to know why. And so when they tell me why, sometimes they wouldn't, but when they would tell me why, it was like, whew, geez, I'll do it with passion now because I understand the context. And so tonight, uh, I want to talk about the parable of the sower, but I want to pay attention to the context of who's with Jesus when he's telling this story or telling this parable who came to see him, all that type of stuff. That's where the importance of the message is going to come from tonight. And, and I want to encourage you, as I'm talking about it, you'll find yourself in the story. And so be, be paying attention, be looking. And so we're going to start off Luke chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. It says, After this, Jesus traveled about from, t- from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women, who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had been cast out. Um, Joanna, the wife of, of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household. Susanna and many others. These women were helping to support him out of their own means. All right, so this is the lead up. This is the build up to the, the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower. And so, you know, a lot of times I'll just get straight to the what I consider the meat and potatoes of, of what Jesus has to say. Like, all right, let's just get to the point. This is irrelevant. But for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit slowed me down when I was reading this. And and he, he showed me like, man, there's an importance to the people who are traveling from town to town with Jesus. And so what stood out was town to town. And so in town to town, you know, that's a small detail in town to town. He had to go from place to place. I, I get it. Now, what's the point? But when I look at the towns that he traveled, I did like a little average of of the distance. And this is a 20-mile distance from town to town. So that's 20 miles on foot. So the people who were with Jesus were walking 20 miles. It's about 10 hours worth of walking. And so they're in probably some raggedy sandals, you know, like Jerusalem cruisers uh, or whatever they had back then. Like they didn't have... 
these factory-made things. I'm sure they didn't last very long. Um, so that, they're probably falling apart. 90-degree weather is the average uh, temperature in these areas. It's all desert, um, so it's just that hot, hot, dry, hot. Um, and, you know, that in itself, I thought, wow, that's a commitment. And so let's start with the 12 guys. First it says, there were 12 with him. Now, these guys, we, we could go into who those 12 were, but for time's sake, they left houses, families, jobs, businesses, dreams, plans, all those things, literally everything to follow him. And, and they were just like me and you. I mean, how many in here, you're going to school, and man, when you, when you get out of school, you got plans. I mean, anybody in here? It's good to have plans. Um, it's good to have plans. Anyway, you get out of here and you, you got plans. You want to pursue a goal. Maybe, maybe you, maybe you looking to buy a house. Well, man, like I think about myself, I have plans. I have goals. I want to buy a house. What if I just bought a house? I just got a job and all of a sudden it's time to follow Jesus. Would I give that up? So it started to convict me. Um, so then we get to the three women that he mentioned. First is Mary Magdalene. Now, we know that she was demon-possessed. It says that she was demon-possessed. Matter of fact, seven demons were in this lady, and Jesus had to cast them out. And so it made me think, like, man, if I had seven demons in me and Jesus cast them out of me, I would be following him too. Like, I wouldn't want to get too far away because I wouldn't want him to come back, you know. So she was sold out. And then we look at Joanna. Um, and, you know, at first glance, uh, just some, some guy's wife. But so I dug into who Chusa, uh, who, who is this guy? Well, you guys remember King Herod? You guys remember hearing about King Herod? Well, he was not just his manager. He was his financial manager. So he managed all of King Herod's money, um, anything that was, that was any expenses that was handed out to purchasers for Herod. He oversaw that. I mean, everything. he was the, the man's accountant, so to speak. So he was a trusted guy. The same Herod that cut... John the Baptist's head off is the same Herod that we're talking about here. And so when we see this lady, Joanna, she's the wife of the dude who manages his money. And I'm pretty sure, like, his money was his God, you know. So that's a huge risk in itself. Like, she had to have made it, like, literally made. She must have had it made in the shade, so to speak. Like, I'm sure she didn't have to work, all the food she could ask for, everything. I mean, I don't know. Like, I think what I have left that situation to go and follow Jesus, walk 20 miles, all that type of stuff. So if we think about Herod literally putting um, somebody's head on a chopping block, she was kind of doing the same thing. Right. And the last person is Suzanne. I know this seems ins- insignificant, but it, it, it does matter. Susanna. Um, we don't know much about her, but several times in the Bible, everywhere she's mentioned, it says that she ministered to somebody. And usually it was a minister. So she was ministering to ministers. What that looks like is she was praying for him. She was encouraging him. So that's why she was traveling with Jesus. And so the last, in verse three, we read, supported Jesus's ministry out of their own means. So, so these people were literally following Jesus emotionally. They gave up all their dreams, desires, plans, etc. Financially, they funded his ministry spiritually, you know, uh, if Jesus claimed that he was a son of God, which he did, and back then you reasoned the same thing and you would say Jesus was the son of God, that was considered blasphemy and heresy. 
And they, and they would kill you for that. And so just to follow him, condoning what he was preaching, they're putting their life on the line. And so as I, as I read that, the Holy Spirit asked me the first question that I'm going to ask you tonight. Are you really following Jesus? And, you know, when, when, I, when he asked me that, it's like, well, of course I'm following Jesus. I believe in Jesus. But are my actions showing that I'm following Jesus? And, and, and these guys weren't the, the people preaching. These guys were just in the crowd. So it's not like they were getting recognition, but in their hearts, they were following Jesus. And so it convicted me. Now, let's pick up. This is where the whole message came from, this next verse. It says, while a large crowd, verse 4, while a large crowd was gathering and people were coming to Jesus from town after town, he told this parable. And I was about to move on. All right, here we go. Here's the parable. And, and I felt the Holy Spirit ask me, Who's in the crowd? Who's in the crowd? Now, y'all check out what I'm fixing to say because it convicted me. And I think it'll I think it'll it'll do the same to you guys. So I was thinking, who's in the crowd? And I was thinking with God. And I don't know if you guys really do that, too, or what. But sometimes like I'll ponder on something and like I'll envision my mind is like directly linked with his or something like that. And sometimes He'll start thinking with me. And so anyway, I was thinking with God. And he gave me, the Holy Spirit gave me six types of people. And I'm going to name those six types. And and I guarantee you, it covers the bases of the people who went to see Jesus that day. And so as Jesus is looking out at a crowd, he's discerning these six types of people. The first type was hurting people. Hurting people. These people had no hope. They're hurting. Maybe they had a broken heart. Or maybe they had a shattered dream, or, or maybe they lost a loved one, or, or a friendship. Um, could have been anything. Um, either way, they were hurting, and they were hopeless, and they were looking some, for some hope and for relief. And so they came because they heard about this Jesus guy, and they're saying, well, I'm in a bad situation. I'm going I'm to try this guy out. So they were in the crowd. The second person that was in the crowd was hungry people, hungry people. Now, these people, they heard about the things Jesus was doing. They heard about things that Jesus was saying, and and they put their faith in Jesus. They received the message of Jesus. They received the gospel. Um, They'd even seen Jesus maybe change their life, maybe change somebody else's life, and they're hungry for more. Now they want more of that, and they're expectant. So they've they've seen him work. They've received what he preaches, and now they're expecting more. So they're coming with an expectation. Now, the third, per- the third type of person that was in that crowd that came to see Jesus were skeptical people. Skeptical people. These people, they don't trust what Jesus is saying. They don't trust the message of God. Um, they have questions, concerns, some reservations. Uh, they they want to hear more. They're kind of on the edge of their seat like, man, what's this guy got to say? You guys see that emoji with like the flat eyes and the, or the flat eyes and the flat mouth? Like that's how I imagined these people. Maybe the Holy Spirit threw that in there for me. But anyway, they're the flat faced emoji. Now, um, three different, uh, three other people left. So then, then they have angry people, angry people in the crowd. These people have often been hurt by religious people. Or, or like the Pharisees, right? So they've been, they've been, uh, th- their encounters have been less than pleasant, so to speak. So uh, religious people uh, encounters, they were never positive. It was never something they walked away from. Yeah, that was a religious person, and I feel better about myself. 
And so that's what that's what they were dealing with. They were angry because they felt judged. They felt condemned, oppressed. And they're thinking, here we go again. I'll give this guy a shot, uh, but I'm sure this Jesus guy is the same way. Right. And so they came kind of angry. The second to last type of person was tuned out people. They were tuned out. These people really don't care what Jesus has to say. They, they went because they were forced to or out of obligation. So maybe somebody made them go hear what Jesus had to say. They don't pay any attention to his message. Even if it's the very thing they need to hear to change their lives for the better, they tuned out. These people are the same ones who will walk away from the message of the gospel and have the same issues that they had when they walked up to the message of the gospel. And so the people, these types of people, the tuned out people, were the people who were in the crowd. They walked up and they didn't pay attention to anything Jesus said. Next week, they were still struggling with the same old thing. And then lastly, there were religious people in the crowd. These people, they already know it all. Um, They're the people who they'd hear a scripture being read or a message being preached and they'd say, I've already heard this. They'll critique the message. They'd critique Jesus rather than allow the message and Jesus to minister to them. These were Pharisees and Sadducees, and we'd know them as religious or pharisaical people. They'd constantly try to find a flaw in Jesus, in his teaching, or catch him in a mistake, rather than ask themselves, how does this teaching apply to me, and have I been living this out? And the Holy Spirit, he started to show me these things, And so he asked me the same question that I'm going to ask you. Who are you in the crowd? Who are you? Tonight you're in a crowd. This is a crowd. And this is the message of God. Are you hurting? Are you hungry? Are you skeptical? Are you angry? Are you tuned out? Are you just sitting in here? Are you religious? So Jesus discerned the crowd as the crowd approached And he chose this message. So here's an example. If I'm preaching chapel, right, there's like four-year-olds in chapel. It's four years old to like eighth grade. And, and, you know, the eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade is closer to this age group. So this type of a message would be fitting for them. But I'd have to tailor it differently for the four-year-old. Y'all follow me there? And so... Just like if I was preaching in the mains, I'd have to tailor the message a little differently because of a different set of life experiences, right? So it's important to know those types of people, like who's in the crowd, because it's how Jesus geared this next part. And so in Luke chapter 8, we'll, we'll read 5 through 10, and we'll get into the meat of the message. It says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on. The birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on rock. When it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he said this, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, we'll get into the explanation of that, but before um, he explains the explanation, Jesus goes to explain that later. Notice the disciples' reaction and Jesus' response, all right? Check this out. So as soon as he finished that, bam, his disciples came up to him, and they asked him what the parable meant. 
He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that though seeing, they may not see, though hearing, they may not hear. And so right here, Jesus is talking, really what he's talking about is the difference in spiritual eyes and ears and physical eyes and ears. And so the Holy Spirit convicted me there. And he said, you know, sometimes you can see my word when you're reading it, but you're not really seeing my word when you're reading it. And sometimes you can hear my word when it's being preached, but you're not really hearing my word when it's being preached. And so it convicted me. And so I asked the Lord, well, what's what's some things that's necessary in order to receive from you? And he answered me, he said, you have to be hungry and you have to be humble. And so the first thing, hunger. Hunger causes you to really seek God. I mean, if you're physically really hungry, if you're really hungry, you're going to figure something out to eat. Like you might not have something in the house, but if you, you'll get to one point, you're like, all right, I got to do something. If I can't drive, I'm ordering a pizza. If I can drive, I'm going to get something. I'm starving, right? And so you're really seeking some food. Well, if you're spiritually hungry, you're seeking some spiritual food. You need something from God. Now, the other part of that is admitting that you need something. That's humility. Now, the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. In that case, this is in, or in this case, it's understanding. Now, let's look at Jesus' explanation um, of the parable. Y'all tracking with me so far? Okay. Uh, Luke chapter 8, we'll start on 11. Um, this is the meaning of the parable. This is Jesus talking. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. So, we often hear stuff, I want to stop here, we often hear things like, man, I need a word from God, or um, whew, I really need to hear from God in this scenario, or something like that. And, you know, honestly, God, he, he does speak through people. Um, he speaks through his Holy Spirit. Um, God will give you revelation through a tree. I mean, he can speak through anything. You know, you can be walking, see something happen, and it'll be the answer if you're looking, right? So God does speak like that. But when all else fails... We have the Word of God. We already have the Bible. And so, really, the Bible is the Word. So, sometimes it's not getting a Word that's hard. It's receiving a Word and applying a Word. That's what we really struggle with. It's not to find, man, I, I pumped it earlier. You know, it's not to, it's not to find, the, I need a Word from the Lord. They got a lot of words from the Lord right here. That's not the hard part, guys. It's letting it take root. And letting it grow and applying it. So Jesus explains this. What I just said, he explains it with the parable of the soil. And there's four types of soil he gives. The first is the soil on the path. The second is the rocky soil. The third is the thorny soil. And the last is the good soil. Now, each type of soil has its own condition. And it produces a specific result. So the first type of soil... And as I'm thinking about this, be, be thinking about how this applies. The first type of soil is the soil on the path. In, the, in verse 5, we read earlier um, that that's the soil that the seed was, was thrown on and it got trampled on and eaten, right? So remember, the seed's the word of God. Jesus explains what he meant here in verse 12. He says, those along the path are the ones who they hear, so they hear the word of God. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. So they may not believe and they won't be saved. And so today's people might experience something like this. Maybe they might be in a season in life that causes them to ask questions, 
to maybe reach out. Um, you know, is there a God? Or can I trust God? Or uh, does he have good plans for my life? Or um, what does God think of me? Or do I have a purpose, etc.? You know, we can go with a lot of questions, right? But they might be in that type of a season. And they might hear an answer like, yes, there is a God. His name is Jesus. And John 3.16 will, will tell you about that. Uh, can I trust him? Yes, you can trust him. Proverbs 3.5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. So they hear this. Yeah, yes, God has great plans for you. Read Jeremiah 29.11. He has great plans for you. You know, we can give the answer or we can get the answer from the word of God. And, and when we're really hungry for that and we first hear it, we can become hopeful and excited about that answer in the moment. It could spark a little bit of hope, right? But then Satan can come along through any avenue, you know, whether it be like maybe it's an atheist college professor who's got a rebuttal to that verse or, um, or maybe it's a non-believing friend or maybe it's just through doubts. You know, Satan will throw doubts in your mind uh, and stuff like that. And at that point, we make a decision, right? Remember, the soil in our heart is our choice. We make a decision to never give Jesus a chance to deliver on his word. You know, every word in, 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 in the word of God or every word from God, he will always deliver. But we got to give him a chance to do that, you know. And so that would be, that would be the, the soil on the path. The second type of soil might be the rocky soil. Now, in verse 6, we saw that's the soil that the seed fell and a plant began to grow and it died because it had no moisture. Right. Remember that one. So in verse 13, Jesus explains what he meant. Those on the rock or are, are the seeds on the rock are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing, they fall away. Now, the people with this type of soil in their hearts, they only serve God when it's easy, right? That's what that would look like today. They'll hear a scripture like, God is love, and they might even quote it, and they even post it on Facebook, and they tweet it on Twitter if people still do that, or they'll Instagram it or something, God's love, right? But the second something bad happens, the first thing they do is they want to talk about how it's God's fault or they want to blame God. Rather than look at the root cause, which is always the enemy, anything that's evil in the world is not the Lord. They'll cast that blame on God. And, you know, those, those types of people, everybody wants a powerful testimony or a story about them and God and how God came through. But not many people are willing to stick through a test with God. So that they can have that story and that they can have that boldness in, in their faith and, that, and that, that strong relationship with God, right? That's the rocky soil. Now, the third type of soil is the, the thorn soil, the thorned soil. In verse 7, Jesus said that the seed got planted on this and got choked out and died. So the word of God fell on this and got choked out and died. His explanation in verse 14 is this, says, The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear. But as they go on their way, they're choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. I have a friend, a, a really close friend of mine, and, um, and, and man, when I read this today, I didn't have a story to go along. I like telling stories um, because I, I find it helps make things applicable. But man, I have a buddy of mine, and I'm, I'm not going gonna, gonna to call him John, all right, as always. Well, I'm just not going to use the name, but anyway. He, uh, we, we kind of grew up together. He was a little older than me. And, um, and 
as y'all know, I didn't grow up a Christian. I didn't, I didn't even really care about God and all that stuff. And he didn't either. But he got radically saved. And we, we both got saved at different times um, away from each other. Didn't know it even happened till way later. And anyway, I mean, this guy got totally changed, right? Totally changed. Loved the Lord. I mean, on fire for the Lord. He'd preach everywhere he went. And his heart was right, but it was like, man, he's that guy that's like, man, can we talk about like the finals in basketball for a little bit? Like he just, all he wanted to talk about was the Lord, you know, good guy. Um, Now the seed, the word of God was planted in his life and that caused him to grow into a different person. Now he met a a beautiful lady. He married her. They have a, a little baby together and she's a sweetheart. She loves the Lord, like just great people. Um, and so as that was going on, as that was growing, uh, he lost his job. And it was a tough time that his life, you know, he had a newborn baby. Um, his wife was out on maternity leave, started working again. But, you know, it, things were tight. I mean, he just bought a new house. Just the oil field kind of took a slump, as you guys know. And he fell on hard times. And, um, and you know, he was hunting for a job. You know, a, a man goes through a tough time when that happens. If he feels like, you know, he's the provider, he felt less of a man. And we talk and stuff like that. And, well, man, he ends up taking this job, and the job required him to just do some ungodly things. And, um, and, and when he took it, we talked about that. And, you know, it was a tough discussion because he was in a hard spot. But it was just one of them moments, hey, man, the Lord's going to bring something for you that doesn't require you to be a sinner. It does, it's not going to require you to sin to provide for you. Not be around sin, but to partake in sin. God is never going to cause that to be the only way God, you know, for provision. Y'all receive that? You, if anybody ever tries to tell you, well, yeah, you got to be sinful to receive from the Lord. Man, that's totally not God speaking, right? And so, but he did that. And while it's true, God provided a way that, that uh, afterwards he could have chosen, he chose the other way first. Now, to condense the story a little bit, he made great money, still makes great money, no longer had to worry about providing. Uh, matter of fact, he had plenty of life's pleasures. I mean, he was, now he's, look, economy's bad, he's living life good, all right? But eventually, it costed him his relationship with God. He's not serving God anymore. And I mean, that's about six months old now, but he's not serving God anymore. Now, now, now let me pause. Um, I have a little disclaimer in here. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with, uh, with wealth or pleasure or anything like that. You know, I, I believe quite the contrary. I believe that God teaches us stewardship. He teaches us how to be good stewards of what we have. And if we'll follow principles like stewardship, if we'll ask the Lord for favor uh, and his provision, I believe that doing those things yield blessings of God. And so if you're a good steward with what you have, you can be a profitable wealthy person and that's all right. So I'm not saying that that's wrong or pleasures. You know, Jesus came so that you'd have life and have it to the full. I'm pretty sure that's what he's talking about, having a good life. And so that's not all that bad, but the blessings of God should never come out uh, or should never come at the expense of the relationship with God, right? So back to my buddy. Remember I told you he was a totally different guy and then he met this this lady, right? He met his wife. Well, he met her as that different guy. Well, when he walked away from God, um, remember, he received that gift from God, who's a wife. The Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And he found her as a Christian man. Well, when he changed, his marriage started having trouble. 
And, you know, when he fell out of relationship with God, he fell out of the grace of God. And when he fell out of the grace of God, he couldn't sustain what the grace of God had given him. The grace of God gave him a beautiful wife, a beautiful family. And, man, let's read that again. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, so he was on his way, they get choked out by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they don't mature. Isn't that crazy? Like a life's worry led him to walk away from God to pursue riches. And that caused a blessing of God in a wife and a child to be on the rocks now. You know, and, I'm, and, and you know, I, I pray for him and, and, and he's a good guy, but he just walked out of the grace of God, right? And so anyway, final, final type of soil. Now this is where the, this is the good part of the message, right? Final type of soil is the good soil. Now, verse 8 says that the good soil produced a crop that produces 100 times more, 100 times more. So, like, let's think like this. That's like taking an apple, planting an apple in the ground, and getting 100 apples from it. I'm a visual guy, so I have to picture that. So you got 100 apples from one apple. Now, Jesus says in, in verse 15, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. It made me think of this, Pastor Brad. How many of you remember Pastor Brad? And he, he was just an, for those of you who didn't know Pastor Brad, he was just an awesome man of God. He was like the church grandpa, so to speak. He just had that, that, that papa mentality, like spirit about him, man. You couldn't help but love him. Anyway, he, he, uh, he said this. He said, we may know how many seeds are in an apple, but only Jesus knows how many apples are in a seed. Let's say that again. We may know how many seeds are in an apple, but only Jesus knows how many apples are in a seed. And so this is the good soil. And so when I'm thinking about the good soil, what Jesus said about that, and then how many apples are in a seed, this story of another young guy came to my mind. Now, the young guy didn't grow up, didn't grow up knowing God, grew up religious, but didn't have a relationship with God. Um, somebody had invited him to a church event, and he was so reluctant to go. He really didn't want to go, and, um, and so he went anyway out of obligation. And so he shows up. He's kind of just, man, he, he might have even been high when he was in the church event. I don't, I don't know, but um, I'd have to ask him. But, uh, but he, at this event, he heard the gospel. And when he heard it, man, it was kind of like, well, I know, I know where I'm at. Like, I know where I stand. Like, I, I, I think I need that, right? So um, he went about life. He got saved that night and, uh, or at that event. Um, and so I'm sure a time that the, the, the soil on the path came along to where, like, like we, we know the devil comes and, and seeks that out. So, but he refused to allow, like, the lies and the doubt that's on the soil path um, to pull away what God had planted in his heart that night at that church event. And so he made it past that path. Then he made it to the rocky soil, right? And so trials came and, and tried to probably pull him away there, and he refused to let those trials pull him away from what God planted in his heart that night. And so keep in mind, he's, he's tracking along with the Lord. That plant's growing now. And so now we make it to the thorned soil, right? And so remember, the plant has to be pretty grown for it to be choked out, right? So at this point, I'm sure some worldly pleasures and riches and opportunities, just like my other friend had, had come this young guy's way. And this young guy chose to not allow those things 
to choke out what God had planted in his heart. Now he chose to preserve good soil in his heart. It made me think the people at that church event had no idea what was going to happen to the seed they were planting. They just decided, hey, I'm going to plant the word of God out there and whatever the Holy Spirit does with it, here we go. And like Pastor Brad said, you don't, you don't really ever know. And so today that young guy is now a little bit older and, uh, and he pastors a church of about 12 to 1,500 people. And if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be standing here. I got saved when that young guy was preaching about six years ago. That's Pastor Todd. And so when we think about like, man, Pastor, Pastor Todd, he chose to preserve the soil of his heart. No one knew when that guy responded to an altar call at a church event that he went to and didn't even really want to go to. Nobody knew what was going to be the outcome of that. And so, like, when I think of those things, I think about, man, like, what will happen with the seeds that are planted here tonight? It's just a Wednesday night. It's just a Wednesday night. What's going to happen? Like, I I can't wait to see, like, what is God going to do with you guys? I know what his plan is. His plan is that you guys would would cultivate good soil in your heart, that you would fill up with the word of God, that you grow in your relationship with God. And, And his plan is if that all goes His will for your life is far better than anything we could ever dream. But it takes us cultivating that soil. So let's stand, guys. Let's stand. So, you know, I don't know about you guys. I I ask you to close your eyes a lot. And I I do that because I know me. And when I'm worshiping, if my eyes are open, I can't focus or... And and it just robs me of being being able to just focus on the presence of God. And so right now... um, just close your eyes, and I just want you to listen to just a few questions that I have. Just a few questions that I have. I want you to just evaluate right where you're at. And I'm going to pray before I ask these questions because I want this to be a spiritual thing. I want the Holy Spirit to guide you in this. I don't want you to tone out. Don't, don't tune out. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would just, you would walk through the thought process that every student is going to go through here in a second when I ask these questions. Lord, I know that you love every one of them and that in this moment, you can reveal to them every answer that they need. And so my first question is, we talked about how people follow Jesus at all costs. They were willing to take honestly to take leaps of faith that myself I haven't taken are you following Jesus like the Bible says the other question that I have for you is who are you in the crowd tonight who are you in the crowd tonight as you stand there I want you to ask yourself are you the hurting or hopeless person if that's you Jesus wants to heal you He wants to give you hope. Are you the skeptical or or critical person? I want to encourage you, give Jesus a shot. He isn't some harsh, judgmental, religious God. He loves you and he wants the best for you. Give him a chance to show you that. Maybe maybe you were the tuned out person or, or the religious person. Hey, look, Jesus wants to break that off of you. He wants to break that mindset. 
it's hindering you. It's, it's causing you to fall short of God's glorious standard for your life. Time is precious. The sooner you allow Him to minister to your heart, the sooner you can get on pace with His plan and purpose for your life. And it's awesome when you're in that zone. Now, one more question. How is the soil of your heart? People can look at the outside and not be able to tell that. I may be able to, to, to talk to you and I may never know. But you know and God knows. So how's the soil of your heart? Does the word of God go in one ear and out of the other? Have you walked away from God because of a, a tough trial? Have you chosen worldly pleasure rather than following Jesus when you know you should follow Jesus? Now, regardless of how you answered those things, you don't have to walk out of here that way. Remember, you choose whether you follow Jesus or not. You choose whether you're hungry for the gospel or not. And you choose the soil of your heart. This is all a free decision and you make it. God is not a forceful God that forces his way on you. He gives you the options and tells you the best choice you still got to pick it. Revelations 21 verse 5 says, he who was seated on the throne said, that's Jesus said, I am making everything new. Jesus can clean the soil of your heart. You just have to be hungry and you have to follow him. So I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I want to have altar workers come to the front. And if you're in here, I want to encourage you, everybody, you know, I heard this one time, there's never been a time I went to the altar to pray with somebody that I regretted, ever. I've never regretted doing that. There's been times that I didn't, and I regretted not going. And true humility is what's required. Remember, true hunger and humility is what's required to receive from God. And so I just want to encourage you tonight, after I pray, if that's you, I want you to come forward. Just find somebody you're comfortable with and you can share at the level you want to share. If it's just, hey, you know what? I I just need prayer. I don't have anything specific I want to tell you. That's fine. But just stand with somebody. I just want to encourage you to do that. So I'm going to pray. And if that's you, I want you to come forward. If not, you're free to go. We love you. For those of you who, who, for everybody who came, we love you guys. And I pray that, that this message ministered to you tonight. Jesus, we love you, God, and you deliver every time. You're so faithful, God. You are so faithful. We prayed at the beginning that you would show up and worship, and you did. I prayed that you would guide this message, and Lord, I feel like you did. And Jesus, now I'm asking one more thing tonight. Lord, I just pray that you would meet everybody right where they are. I pray that you'd show them just an accurate analysis of of whether they're really following you or not. And God, that you give them the, the encouragement to make that decision. And now, Lord, I also ask that you would, you would help everybody to be hungry and to trust you, Lord. Because I know you never disappoint. And lastly, God, we know that it's impossible for us to cultivate good soil apart from your grace. And we need your grace to do that. So maybe we got thorn soil. Maybe we have rocky soil. You know, maybe that's the case. But Jesus, that's the, that's the other thing we need you to do tonight, and that's to give us good soil. So I just pray over everybody here. I pray over all the altar workers that you would give them the words to say, the words to pray, 
Lord, I pray that you'd anoint our time of, of ministry and prayer. Now, God, I just pray your hand of protection over everybody in here. I don't take that prayer lightly, Lord. I've seen it in action. I've seen people get in accidents and, and walk out unscathed because people pray that over them. God, I pray that over them in here tonight. Lord, I pray that you, you'd protect them, God. I pray for everybody's family. Lord, I pray that you protect their family. I pray that you would bless their family, give them favor, Lord. I pray that everybody in here would grow to know you better, God. Not to, not to know rules better, not to know regulations and all this stuff, just to know your heart better. That's my prayer, God. And I know that you're faithful and you're going to meet everybody where they are. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If that's you, I want you to come forward. Get some prayer. Don't wait. Don't talk yourself out of it. Come right now. If not, feel free to worship for a little while. If not, we'll see you next time. We love you guys. Thank you. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram. Thank you.